Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. How are we all this morning? Good? We're good. Okay. Let's get into the word, shall we? My message this morning is called Faith to Step Out. And I'm reading from Matthew 13, verses 22 to 33. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today that, Lord, we get to do church we can do it freely. We can do it without restrictions in this nation, this great nation of Australia. And Father, while ever we are able to do that, we choose to fix our eyes on you, Lord God. We choose to worship you. We choose to come around your word. And Father, we proclaim your word is truth and your word is life and your word is directional. Your word is correctional. But Father God, we thank you that your word is a love letter to us because Lord, you love us so much. Father, I pray that you would make my tongue as the pen of a skillful writer as I bring this message this morning. You've spoken so clearly to me through this, Lord God. I pray for each one in this place and those listening online that you would speak to them as well, Lord God, right at their point of need. We give you all the praise and all the thanks and all the glory and all the honour because, Lord, it's not about us, it's all about you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. So in chapter 14, I've been listening to Matthew on repeat all week and it's so incredible. I'm almost thinking about doing a series on Matthew, but I'll wait and see what God says. But Matthew 14, we see that um, there's so many things that happen in it. The martyrdom of John, um, his imprisonment and his beheading. Um, to please Herodias, that's in Matthew 16, 6 to 12. And then they go on, he goes on to talk about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 that came to him to be taught with five loaves and two fishes. And after all of the men and women and children were fed, they took up 12 baskets that were left over from that, 
the miracle of multiplication. Then we saw the healing of the sick with one touch on the hem of his garment in Matthew 14, 34 to 36. And Andrew talked on that from out of Mark a few weeks ago, Pastor Andrew. But today I want to look at another miracle with Jesus walking on the water and what it, what it means to us, the application for us and what it meant to his disciples at the time. And so Matthew 14, 22 to 33 shows that Jesus is not only Lord over nature, but he's also showing his sovereignty in that he is directing people where they need to go. He's directing the multitudes to go home. He's directing the disciples, off you go in your boat. And then he departs to a quiet place alone. In the scripture, I spoke a few weeks ago out of Mark chapter 4, where Jesus was actually in the boat and the storm blew up and he calmed the storm. But this time we want to look at the fact that the disciples were in their boat on their own and Jesus came to them and how we can take hold of some of the truth in this scripture and apply it to our lives as well. So, should we get into it? Yeah. Also, we want to look at Peter's response. Peter, he's my hero. After Jesus, Peter is my hero. <laughs> Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus always sets us an example of how to live. He showed us how to live. He showed us the, the principles to follow. He showed us the incredible good moral ethical standard that God his Father had put in him because Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. He's God in the flesh. And so he sets us this example by after a day of preaching, he goes up on the mountain. He goes up to be on, on his own so that he can talk to his father. Incredible. Just him and father. And, and, you know, I think about that too. And we can think about the busyness of our days and the stuff that we're doing. But at the end of the day, it's just us and father. And father is reaching out to us and saying, come to me. Come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And as we do that, we can lay our burdens at the foot of the cross. So if Jesus did that, if Jesus set the example of going to the Father after a day of work, work in inverted commas, how much more should we be going to God in prayer? He shows his total dependence on God and he sets an example for us to continually be in prayer and even if we're not on our knees as we go about our business daily as we open our eyes Lord thank you for that I've, for the night's sleep thank you that I'm awake thank you that I'm alive thank you for this day as we go about we go to school or we go driving or we go to work God I commit this day into your hands prayer is communion with God and I think sometimes in the, the current modern church, I think prayer, the emphasis on prayer has not been as great as I believe God wants it to be. And that's another reason why we are, we are increasing the, the prayer in this church and the opportunities to pray and to be prayed for in this church because that's what I believe that God is showing us as, as a leadership team. So 
Jesus shows his total dependence on God. And an interesting thing, Jesus went from times of prayer to times of prayer and in between he did the working of miracles. Isn't that incredible? And that's, that was his pattern and he went about healing all who were sick and oppressed of the enemy. So prayer is that vital part of the Christian life. And when we pray, it's not just shopping list prayer. It's taking time to steal your soul before your Father God in heaven and speaking to him, sharing with him your thoughts, your dreams, your fears, your anxieties, your worries, your needs, and then taking time to listen because God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak into your heart. And it may not be an audible voice, but you'll just get a feeling. you a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. Or he'll take you into his word and confirm it and show you and you'll have what I call a God thought. Praying also with thankful hearts and grateful hearts. Because so often we forget to thank God for what he's already done in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So too often when we ask for things and God comes through, how often do we not go back to God and give him praise and give him thanks? And sometimes our thankfulness can be, um, or thanklessness can be a real stumbling block in our lives because we're not thanking God for what he's done for us. The fact that we're even alive and we've got hope and we've got faith and we can trust him. But we can stumble over the fact that things haven't been done, prayers that we haven't had answered. You know, so if we turn our focus from prayers that haven't been answered to prayers that have been answered, then that stumbling block is removed because we become grateful and we become thankful and we have that positive attitude towards God. Lord, you've come through for me. Lord, you care about me. Lord, every detail of my life has been seen by you, whether I've prayed it or not. Everything that is happening in my life, Lord, you know it. The thoughts that I'm praying... You know, the thoughts that I'm thinking and in everything, as we give thanks to God, it lifts our hearts and it lifts our focus from the things that we don't have to the things that we do have. And that, I think, is an attitude of gratitude. And I've been really working hard in my own life of fostering that attitude of gratitude. And it's probably just me because you are all wonderful people. But Jesus shows us that prayer is incredibly powerful. He shows us because he is above our circumstances and he's making intercession for us. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. He's praying for us. He sees what's happening. And when the disciples set out to see, Jesus went to be with his Father in prayer and I'm sure he was interceding. (coughs) Hebrews 7 Verse 25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And Romans 8.34, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, 
who also makes intercession for us. So when we belong to Jesus, he's there making intercession for us. He's praying. He's, he's, he's amazing. He is absolutely amazing. I don't have enough adjectives to describe how wonderful Jesus is. So when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. I like that word contrary not as expected behavior that was not as expected now in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went to them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a ghost and they cried out for fear see Jesus was where he needed to be he was up on that mountain he was praying he was talking to father he was alone he knew what was going on He's fully aware of, he was aware of what was happening on the sea. He knew that the storm was coming up, the wind was contrary. But he also knows exactly what we're going through at this time. He knows what we're walking through. So he was the one that sent the disciples on that assignment. He said, get in the boat and go to the other side. And you would have thought that he would have gone with him. And I'm not sure how many times Jesus actually got in the boat and went out with the disciples, but I know it's told of in the, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> but Jesus was interceding, excuse me. <clears throat> and he was the one that sent the disciples out. So did he know it was going to happen? Yes. Did he know what their reactions were going to be? Yes, because Jesus knows everything, because he's 100% man, 100% God. So in the good times and in the not-so-good times, as the disciples were out on the sea, he was with them in spirit, and he's with us in the good times and the not-so-good times, in the challenging times, in the storms of our lives that we all face from time to time. And Jesus walked on the water demonstrating his lordship over all of that incredible supernatural act of walking on that water and they thought he was a ghost but as he walked on the water he had he had power over nature but it was a, a, a overcoming the natural phenomena that you don't walk on water you walk on a solid solid foundation but he was overcoming powers of darkness and he's overcoming storms and he was overcoming fear and things that we all face from time to time and they thought he was a ghost because in the midst of the storm, all they could see was the storm and they didn't see him for who he really was. Their sight was clouded and their perspective dim and maybe distorted by what was happening around them. And that's what happens to us when we put our eyes on our circumstances we put our eyes on our circumstances and what are, what's coming upon us and whether it's grief or fear or lack or health issues, whatever it is, when we keep our eyes on our circumstances and look up to see Jesus, we can see maybe he looks as a ghost, but he's not, he's real. And so when we fix our eyes on Jesus, he is the one that brings us through. And that's the fact. That is a fact. When we look to Jesus, he locks eyes with us and he brings us through. He stretches out his hand, says, come, and I'll get to that. <laughs> But I can tell you, when you are going through fiery trials or when you're going through things that are beyond your control, don't look at your circumstances. Filter them through your soul. Think about them. 
process them and then give them to God. Lift them to God and say, Lord, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why it's happening and I don't know what I did to deserve this, if I did deserve this, but I know that you are Lord over all and you're my Lord and you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I think or ask because you're God, you are able, you are mighty God, you are King of kings and you're Lord of lords. He is amazing. Is anyone excited about that? Yeah, he's good, isn't he? He's really good. So they thought he was a ghost and their eyes on their circumstances caused them not to see him for who he really was and what an object lesson that is for us. When we come to the end of each day, it's not what we see, it's not what we feel, it's not what we hear, but it's what God says, his nature, his character, his power and his love and whatever we are going through, we process and then give it to God. I'm not going to be run by emotion or feelings. I'm going to be run by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. That same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells bodily within me. And with him I can do all things that he calls me to do for nothing is impossible for God. When Jesus came to them, he didn't come on the first watch or the second watch or the third watch. He came on the fourth watch. God's timing is always perfect. He will always come right when we need him. He's not early, but he is never late. And could you imagine them out on the sea and the storm had come up and the noise of the wind and and all that was happening and the fear that beset them. And how long they were there, we don't know. But I can just imagine, they were fishermen. Most of these disciples were fishermen. They knew the sea, they knew the conditions, and yet they were afraid. So it must have been a significant storm that was happening around them. And Jesus walked out on those seas to their disciples, to his disciples. And he said, immediately he spoke to them, he said, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Have you ever had anyone come up next to you when you're in the depths of despair and saying, cheer up? (laughs) And what's your first reaction? (laughs) See, the natural comes first, but we bring it down through the spirit, don't we? He says, do not be afraid of me. You know me. He doesn't say it's me, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, Christ the Messiah, Son of God, King of kings and Lord of lords. He says, it is I. They'd walked with him. They had walked with him all this time. They knew who he was. And Jesus came to them and said, don't be afraid. See, Jesus wants to speak into the tempest and the storms that we're going through as well, the wind and the waves. And sometimes those storms are so loud, it deafens us to the sound of the Lord's voice. But don't be afraid because he is for you. He is for you. When you are in Christ, he is for you. He's not against you. So when the disciples set out, that sea was calm and it changed. And sometimes our lives can be sailing along really smoothly and then a contrary wind will come. And life changes. 
instantly things can change for us, but as instantly as things can change, they can change back again too. Because the key is that we keep our eyes on Jesus and we understand that he is over all our circumstances as well, but we also need to trust him and have faith in him and exercise faith in him and all that he's doing. See, the disciples were exactly where they needed to be when that storm came up. They were in the will of God when that storm came up. And we can be totally in the will of God and things happen. And every one of you has got a story, a testimony to tell about that as well. But often when the storms come, we can be so maybe hurt, discouraged, rejected. We can be, what's this all about? Wanting to give up wanting to sit down, wanting to not go on. But Christ was directing them and Christ was watching over them just as he is us. See, God allows these things to happen in our lives to train us, to strengthen us, to refine us like gold with dross in it or rubbish in it. The fire that's turned up under gold brings the dross to the surface so that it can be scooped out and then what's remaining is pure gold. And we don't get better unless we submit ourselves to God. We don't grow in strength and maturity and faith unless we walk through those trials hand in hand with Jesus, with the man from Galilee (laughs) who stilled the storm, who calmed the sea who raised the widow's son from death, who raised you and I from death to life, who was God's answer for this world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So as we believe in him, we know that we have eternal life and we can walk in that strength. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. See, doubts will come and we've got to filter them out so that we can renew our mind with the washing of the word. See, the word will do what it's sent to do. And as we get into the word and read it, if you're reading a chapter a day, increase it, make it two. If you're reading two, make it four. Just get more and more into the word because what the word does is it washes our minds, it cleanses our souls, it gives us the God perspective on things when too often we feel like instead of the the eagles flying above the circumstances, sometimes we feel like the chickens plucking around on the ground just trying to get out what we need for each day but God would have us know that as we wait on him he will renew our strength and we will mount up on those wings as eagles and we will we will soar with him by the power of his spirit it's trusting in him and it's having faith in him he's able sometimes we're critical of others when we see them going through stuff we think oh well they might have sin in their life or they're out of the will of God or whatever but no we see that example it can sometimes be that way but don't judge others we're not to judge others we leave that to God we need to pray when people are going through stuff we need to pray and leave that business that only the Holy Spirit can do to the Holy Spirit and we need to pray and intercede you know that's God's business we're not here to point at people and say you should be doing this or should be doing that we leave it to God we lead by example we lead by faith in the son of God 
who loved us and died for us. He gave his life for us. And we live in the hope as well. And we live by faith in the Son of God. And Romans 1.17 says, For it is in the righteousness of God it is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The just shall live by faith. And living by faith is not what you see. It's what you know is right in God and according to his word. It's by faith. It's putting your hope and your trust and faith in what God says and what you know to be God's will for you. So when things come against you, keep going. Keep about his business. Keep loving him. Keep loving the church. Keep loving the not yet believers. We are all fearfully and wondrously made. Those of us who know Jesus understand the principle of love for one another and we're growing in that and we're growing in that until the day we go home to be with the Lord. We can, we can sit and do nothing or we can keep our eyes on Jesus and we can press forward so that he does in us the work that only he can do in us. Therefore, my beloved brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. See, sometimes we need to take that time and rest, draw aside to be with God. Sometimes there's nothing for it but rest and we need to stop and pull up and say, Lord, I'm just drawing aside to be with you, just like Jesus did. He had a day, busy day, and he drew aside to be with his father. We need to do that too. Sometimes we need to draw back while he strengthens us and does the healing that we need in our souls. But you've got to understand the season you're in because if you're fit and able, God has a plan for you and God has an assignment for you, for each and every one of you. It doesn't matter who you are or what age you are. God has something for you to do. So listen to the voice of God when you pray, Lord, what should I do? What would you have me do? What is my purpose? And that can adjust as time goes on as well. Your seasons change in God. But God knows exactly what it is the right time for you and the right place for you. So, and then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. If it's you, when stepping out on the dubious circumstances, we need to know that God is calling us. Do you see God in the midst of the storm or are we overwhelmed by those circumstances? Lord, is it you? And we've touched on this a little bit already. Lord, is it you that's calling us? If you feel like God is saying to you, I want you to do X, Y, Z, if he's calling you to do it, if he's commanding you to do it, then he will give you the timing to do it as well. But if it's not him that's calling you and you step out onto those waters symbolically, the result might be not exactly what you expected. They didn't know it was him. And there's another example in John chapter 20 where the woman didn't know who Jesus was at the tomb and she said, let's look at it actually, John 20, 14 to 16. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, 
Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Sometimes we can mistake Jesus for others and sometimes others we see Christ in them and we don't recognise that it's Jesus speaking through them. We don't recognise Christ in the midst of our situation. That, that line, supposing him to be the gardener, says it all, doesn't it? And sometimes we can be going through stuff and we think, well, where is God in this when God is with you all the way through it? God's holding you in the palm of, of, your hand, of his hand. God counts the hairs on your head. Some of us have got a few more than others. <laughs> but God knows what you're going through. And we can say, where is God? And what is he doing in the midst of that? Well, he's holding you by the hand. He's holding you. You know, he is, he's enfolding you in, in his love. And if we keep our eyes on him, we can look to him and say, Lord, lead me in the path that you would have me. Lord, all this stuff is happening around me. I'm being persecuted. I'm being rejected. I'm feeling ill. I'm, I'm whatever your, your life is dictating at the moment. But supposing him to be the gardener, we're not going to get the answers that we want. He is there to love you despite what your opinion of him is or what your uh, view of, of him and his mightiness is. And yet sometimes we get God wrong. We understand from our earthly perspective instead of seeing with our eyes of faith. And God wants to open the eyes of our faith today. Stepping out into those dubious circumstances... We need to know that it's God that's commanding us to step and his timing. And I always, I've shared this many times before, I always go with this traffic light. Um, yeah, I go with traffic lights because when I'm praying, I say, Lord, show me a red light, a green light or an orange light. If it's red, I stop. If it's green, I go. And if it's orange, I just get ready and keep praying into that situation. It's the simplest thing ever. It is the simplest thing. That's what works for me. For you, it might be something completely different. And if it's green and you step out onto the water, the result's going to be a God one. Because you're knowing and hearing the voice of God. So pray and seek his face and confirm what he's asking you to do through the word. And that consistency of seeing him and asking him and talking to him and being around like-minded Christians who will pray with you and encourage you and love you. And there's a stirring in your spirit that happens when, when Christ gets hold of your life and he starts to plot a course for you and it's over stormy seas. And in Isaiah chapter 30, 21, the scripture says, Though the Lord gives you... The Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore. But your eyes shall see your teachers, your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. See, stepping out in faith doesn't guarantee that there won't be storms. Stepping out in faith doesn't guarantee that the way will be straight. It's stepping out in faith doesn't guarantee that things are not going to come against you. It doesn't guarantee that your life will be trouble-free and that things, 
or people will come against you. You imagine what the disciples were saying in the boat when Peter got out of the boat. Oh, that Peter, here he goes again. What's he up to now? Oh, you know, I've had that said about me. Oh, gosh, that Robin, why is she doing that? What next? <laughs> but when God calls you, when God commands you, when God anoints you, when God appoints you, when God gives you a plan for your life, don't worry about what people will say because there'll be those behind in the boat and they were God-fearing men and they were disciples and they'd walked with Jesus. But everyone has their own nature and every one of us has got to work through things the way God wants to work in us and through us. And that's the fact because God is so loving and kind and all-knowing and powerful that he knows our innermost being. He knit us together in our mother's womb. When we did not even exist, he was, we were with God and then God sent us into our mother's womb. We were conceived and life came at birth and God had a plan for our lives. And that plan is being outworked day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year as we follow and step out into the water. So don't look at the natural circumstances. If God's calling you, move out move into him and it's a choice it is absolutely a choice Peter waited for Jesus to call him and that's a lesson for us no matter how bold or courageous you are and Peter was bold and he was courageous and he was full of faith no matter how courageous you are wait for Jesus to step out onto those waters you see all the guarantees that life gives are none except for the fact When we choose Jesus, it guarantees that we are on our way to meet with Jesus and it's walking in obedience to him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Peter said, command me, showing his obedience to Jesus. And not only that, that he deferred to Jesus as Lord. Peter's status as a servant and acknowledging that if Jesus called him, he'd go. I ask myself, if Jesus called me to do something, would I go? And the answer's got to be yes, because he's my all in all. <laughs> he is my reason to be. And I know you all love him too, but we wait on the command of God. It's that choice. You can choose yes, you can choose no. Or you can choose later, I want to stay in the boat. So wait for him to call. Peter also, he stepped out onto that water, showing that he was willing to leave the safety of that boat, even though it was a rocky boat. That he was prepared to step onto the supernatural realm of walking on that water with Jesus, just think about it. He saw Jesus, he locked eyes with Jesus. He said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come, as the old King James says. And Jesus says, come, come. And he locked eyes and he started to move out onto the water. He left the safety of the boat. He didn't worry about the waves. 
See, when God calls us, he equips us. He supernaturally equips us to do what he calls us to do. It's incredible. His timing is perfect. And as we respond, we will... He's going to provide us with everything we need. You know, last week after I left church, we had a meeting in the afternoon and I was heading off and often I'll go the back way through the hills and then I thought, no, it's getting late, it's getting dark, I should take the freeway um, to go home. But then I felt this check in my spirit and I heard the Lord say, take the hills. So I went the hills and it got dark and it was a big windy road and there's dropped edges and no barriers and it's like Lord take me home not to you right now but take me to my house and I got home and there'd been an accident on the freeway and I would have hit that freeway at the exact time that that accident happened in the tunnel and the tunnel was closed for three hours listen to God when you're looking at your circumstances listen to God when you're making your choices listen to God all those things that happened and people were all okay in the freeway um, but yeah, just a dreadful, dreadful accident. So listen to God as he leads you. Wait on him. Mm. So let's look at the disciples in the boat and I'm nearly done. Are you okay? Okay. What was keeping in, in the boat? Was it fear? Was it mistrust of God's promises? Were they still seeing Jesus as a ghost? Was it weakness? Was it insecurity? Was it doubt? Was it... I'm not ready for this. But leaving in the safety of the boat is what everyone is called to do at some point in our lives. Leaving the safety of the boat and not getting out of our comfort zone and moving into what he wants for us to do. And Jesus said, so he said, come. And Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Just when you think you're about to fall, when you're about to falter, when you're about to break down or fail and give up or drown, call out to Jesus and he will save you. He will save you. Lord, save me, he said. When I got saved, I said, Lord, if you're real, if you're there, here I am. <laughs> and he saved me. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. Didn't have the words, didn't have the theology, just a deep need to know Jesus, to get out of the situation I was in. And God saved me and healed me. And for all of us, when we're walking on the water, he was heading, Peter was heading towards Jesus. He was moving towards him, locked eyes. And then he saw the circumstances around him. And, and he began to doubt. He began to lose faith. And the minute that he began to doubt and lose faith, his feet started to descend under the water. And he cried out, Lord, save me. So often for us, we set out okay, but then stuff around us happens and instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus and what he has for each one of us, we're aware of the circumstances of the storms around us and we falter and we start to sink. But all we need to do at that point in time is say, Lord, save me. Lord Jesus, save me. I don't know how to do this, but you do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's amazing how he will come through for us. I've got so many stories, but you don't need to hear them of how he has come through for me, how he has broken through and he has for you too. I know your circumstances, some of you, but it's an amazing thing when God comes through for you. He gives us the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do 
what he calls us to do. Sometimes the enemy will trip us up and make you feel like you're really a loser and discourages you to the point where you feel like giving up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Galatians 5, 7 says you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You see, sometimes the enemy will send someone to cut in on you, to cut across what you're doing, to dissuade you from the course that you've set about. But keep going. Keep looking at Jesus because you are his craftsmanship. You are his workmanship. Ephesians 2. Created in Christ Jesus for good works when God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are created for good works and you're created for God works. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are created for good works and God works. And then those that are in the boat, you are. You absolutely are. (laughs) And then those in the boat (laughs) looked at each other and worshipped and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Isn't that incredible? You see, well, people will see God in you by your actions, by your demeanour, and sometimes even by the words you speak. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. You see, we've got to make the main thing the main thing. And it's that we who now know Jesus can share Jesus with those who are not yet believers so that they can know the hope, the truth, the life that he has for them, the fact that he died for every single one of them, every single one in this world. The the son of glory that he came down to die for everyone, that we would not have to die a death and go to hell. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? The king of glory that came down for us. See, when people see the God in us, they'll start to begin questioning in their hearts. They'll start to think, what is it about that person? And when they ask you what the hope is that you've got, you can say it's Jesus and he's a person and he is God. He's not an it. (laughs) He's amazing. So when God gives us these incredible testimonies, of how he's come through for us time and time again, through the storm, through the raging seas. We have an incredible testimony of God's incredible and amazing and awesome and incredulous power and faith and love for each one of us. And no matter how rough your life has been or is at the moment, God has a plan for your life. But it's stepping out onto the water and it's stepping out when you recognise Jesus and it's saying, Lord, if it's you, bid me come, command me to come. Another version says, tell me to come. I like bid me come. I'm a bit of an old King James person myself. But he says, command me to come, bid me come. So when you're going through stuff and you don't understand it and your world has fallen apart and everything that used to be so stable and so good isn't anymore, You can look to Jesus and say, I'm in a boat on the stormy sea, but if it's you, bid me come. Command me to come and I'll walk on that water. And as you step out on that water, keep your eyes on Jesus because he is the God of the supernatural and he's above your circumstances and he knows exactly what you need at the time and 
he'll reach out. Jesus reached out to grab him. That was an amazing thing. Just like he reached out for each one of us when we gave our lives to Jesus. I've run way over time. I'm sorry for keeping you people. I get very passionate talking about Jesus. So they worshipped him because they saw that Peter stepped out. Oh, Peter. (laughs) He walked on the water. He began to sink. And Jesus saved him. It's the same for all of us. Amen. Just like he did for them, he'll do for us. And he is doing for us. So what is he calling you to do today? Are you in your boats? Are you already walking on the water? Are you back on the shore with the multitude? That's between you and God. But what is he calling you to do? What is he asking of you? And how are you seeing your Lord of glory? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace and thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Father, that, Lord, as I've brought this word today, Father God, I just pray that for everybody in this place that they would have received something to go on with, something to walk with, something to run with, Father God, that each one could identify certain parts of this passage of scripture which you've spoken to me so clearly about And maybe identify, well, this is where I am, but I think this is where God wants me to be. I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that if you're in the boat and that you're motionless by fear or circumstances, Father, that, Lord, each one would just lift their eyes to Jesus, fixing their eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith. That, Lord, you would bid them come in the appropriate timing, in the correct timing to step out and to believe you for the supernatural and the miracles that you want to do in and through each one of us, Lord God. I pray, Father God, if we don't see Jesus yet and we haven't received Jesus as Saviour and Lord, that we can pray now, Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to receive me. And I ask you to wash me and cleanse me of my sin. I ask you, Father God, to put me in the boat, Lord God. I ask you, Father God, to forgive those sins that I've done. And I give my life to you now. I confess with my mouth, believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that you raised him from the dead, that he died in place of me on the cross. I ask you, Lord, to receive me as a son or a daughter of you. And I give my life to you now in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for those that have prayed that prayer for the first time today, that they would just be able to connect with a church and we can resource them or point them in the right direction, Lord, to continue to ride the boat that you have for them, Father. But Lord, I pray for those where you are bidding them come, where you are commanding them to come, and Lord, they're Um, for whatever reason they're holding back, I pray right now today that you would minister to every heart, Lord God, that you would minister to everyone who is, for whatever reason, hurt, in pain, sick, disappointed, discouraged, Lord God, that you would just pour your spirit out upon them now to let them know how loved they are and that there is another chance for them. There is another opportunity if they would get themselves up and out of that boat.
Lord God, I pray for those of us that are on the water who feel like we may be sinking. Lord, we reach out to you and we say, Lord, save me. And Lord, I thank you that you reach out and you lift us from out of that place of near destruction every time. We commit ourselves into your hands. We give you praise and we give you thanks for all that you're doing. And Lord, we give you all the praise and glory for the power of your word and that your word in this house is your truth. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.